This week on Developer Weekly. And then also how we do pair programming uh, remotely. We have also established that process, but we're still learning a lot. But I would say that it's been working really well for us. This episode is brought to you by me. If you like this show and you want to support it, please visit my courses on Pluralsight and buy my new book, 200 Things Developers Should Know, which is about programming, career, troubleshooting, dealing with managers, health, and much more. You can find my Pluralsight courses and the book over at www.developerweeklypodcast.com about. That is www.developerweeklypodcast.com slash about. Welcome to another episode of Developer Weekly. This week, I'm talking with Mary Lag Dimatulek about running a software development business. Mary Lag is a solution architect who puts the building blocks together to solve problems through software. She is a Microsoft Azure MVP and the co-owner of DeWise, a development company based in Copenhagen and Manila. Welcome to the show, Mary Lag. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing very good, coping really well. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. We, uh, uh, it is today the day after, no, or the second day after the US election. I don't even remember. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. So I've been following that a little bit. Obviously, I live in the Netherlands, so people might say, well, that's none of your business. But it's everybody's business because it's about uh, the future of the world, really. So it's very exciting because there's still no uh, no winner declared, but it can be declared any moment. So, you know, I'm keeping an eye on the news. Yeah, me too. Well, I try to look at it maybe every four hours and <laughs> really try to get away from it every now and then. Otherwise, I'm just going to get sucked uh, suck into it. But then I have family in, in the U.S. and I have lots of friends. so And they're all pretty much involved. So everyone is involved in this big thing. Yeah, absolutely. I just hope for the best. <laughs> for the world, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Uh, are you in the in Denmark at the moment? Yes, that's right. Uh, and how is the pandemic going there? It's actually not that good. So pretty much like the rest of Europe, we're having the second wave at the moment. But uh, the government is dealing with it pretty well so far. So we didn't have to close down everything, but we have a lot of restrictions. So we can still go to work, but we are highly encouraged to work from home. Right, so a partial uh, lockdown, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And that. Uh, oh, we'll talk about how that impacts your business uh, later on as well, because you run a business. You're a businesswoman, which is very cool. Can you tell me how and why you became an entrepreneur? Yeah. Well, it wasn't really part of the plan. In fact, it's it's kind of an inside joke in our family that we are terrible in business. <laughs> and my parents always just encourage us to focus on studies and, and get a good job, but sort of trying to discourage us from running our own business because it's too risky, because I guess my father is just being sensible, even though he is also an entrepreneur himself. He runs his own accounting practice. Uh, but he wanted us to focus just on getting really good jobs. Uh, and for me, I didn't think of becoming a businesswoman because of that, maybe. 
but it's more like I just wanted to, to build software. Uh, as soon as I got into programming, I knew I wanted to build applications, and I really enjoy doing that with the, with a team. Uh, but I never really got the opportunity to to start my own team until I moved to Denmark, I think, 10 years ago. And then I joined a small consulting company that wanted to start their presence in, in Manila. And then all of a sudden, I sort of found myself in charge of running everything on the Manila side. So I was responsible for establishing the whole process, registering the company, uh, hiring the teams, taking care of all the legalities in the finances, things I really don't have any idea about, but I have to learn from scratch. Uh, and then I just uh, sort of got into it and realized that this this is such an accelerating process. Uh, it's challenging, but I, I really like it and I got what it takes. Um, and so unfortunately, the, the company didn't really become successful, but me and my fiance, who is also my business partner now, or one of my business partners, decided that we can do this together and start our own. And now we're five years in and we're still here. Wow, that's very cool. And uh, just to, to make sure, Manila, where is that? In the Philippines? Yes, that is the capital of the Philippines. Ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure, you know, I'm not uh, 100% up on my geography. Uh-huh. But, uh, Okay, that's very cool because it's probably a lot uh, better weather there than in Copenhagen, isn't it? Well, it depends on what kind of weather you like. If you're, I like the dark and stormy weather sometimes, so I <laughs> learn to like it here. Now I'm just trying to be positive. Of course, it's always sunny in the Philippines, so it's nicer out there. I must admit. Ah. Yeah. So. Are you still doing all those things that you just mentioned, as in uh, managing the team, doing things like finances, finding developers, onboarding, all those things that have nothing to do directly with software development? Are you still doing those things? Yeah, I'm still very much involved in all of it. And uh, of course, when we, we have two companies or, or two presents, right? So we have a separate company here in Denmark, and then we establish a totally different company in the Philippines. And, and and I was in charge of everything. But now, of course, with the help of some of my colleagues, I have uh, a very talented woman who helps me out with the, the more administrative things and legalities and my family because we have a financial background. I, like I mentioned, my, my dad is in accounting and my sister also. So they help me a lot with, with the financial side of things. So I don't have to do every single thing myself uh, i get help from really good people but okay, still i'm involved excellent. with it yeah and then uh, what do you do on a daily basis do you uh, do you work as a developer oh yeah well i am still part of a development project for one of our customers so i'm still coding uh, but i'm also a solution architect and i am doing that also helping the other teams in our company if they have uh, if they need advice on architectural matters so i'm still involved with that and and of course the operations side of uh, the whole team both in denmark and the philippines is still part of my my daily task and and the management task itself in fact this weekend i'm going out on a strategy meeting with uh, with my partners so these companies are two separate companies, right? One in Copenhagen and one in Manila. Do they also work together on projects? 
Yes, so uh, we establish it that way, but we are primarily the the Philippine company is primarily just serving the the, the Danish company. At some point, we're probably going to merge that into one, but. Again, with the legalities and practicalities, it's uh, a little bit easier to establish a local company in the Philippines without direct connection to a foreign company. Mm. So, so, so we decided to do it that way. What I want to ask is, how do you get people to work together from a distance, as in work together from Manila uh, with Copenhagen? Because that's quite a distance and that's all virtual. Does that work? Yeah, well, remote working or remote team is almost like second nature to me. I have been doing that for almost 10 years now since I moved to Denmark. And as I mentioned, when I established that company and it took some sort of practice and a lot of uh, of learning to get to a point where it's it's the, the, the boundaries is already blurred. You know, we don't we almost don't feel the distance anymore. Uh, of course, you can argue that there is the there's the usual uh, challenges with uh, with the time zone, with the culture, with communications. But these are small things because we now we're, we have established a really good culture where we feel like we're sitting next to each other, even though we're just in teams. And and that kind of culture where we check up on each other all the time, even outside the meetings, post you know random funny things or messages in, in some of our team's channels. And then we have also established really good rituals and routines in terms of, of our daily stand-ups and what to do, how we execute these meetings, how efficient we can be. And then also how we do pair programming uh, remotely. We have also established that process, but we're still learning a lot. But I would say that it's been working really well for us. That sounds uh, that sounds very cool, but also very difficult to set up. Uh, probably, is everybody working remote? Well, right now, yes, because of this terrible pandemic. But before that, mm. we have everyone is going to the office, and uh, of course, you can work from home if you have to. But we, we like the idea that we can work together because that's how you know collaborative software development is. Even if we're agile, even if we're remote, it's sometimes nice to to sit together with your teammates. So, uh, and a lot of our colleagues also in the Philippines actually like being in the office. And, you know, because it's also in the Philippines, we're very social, also at work. So sometimes our colleagues is next to our family. There are friends, we hang out together, we do stuff together outside of work. That's why it's very natural for us to sit together in an office. Uh, so it was quite a change when we everyone suddenly has to just stay at home, not go out so we we sort of to recalibrate our culture there uh but we managed after a couple of months just being at home i i would say that uh we didn't really have difficulties with that and how do you uh then compensate for the social interaction because then when you work remotely my experience with that is that you easily fall into the trap that you only communicate things about business on Teams or on email. You only talk about business stuff or software development stuff and you just leave all the personal stuff behind and that just creates a gap. How do you deal with that? You know what, that's true. And I wouldn't say that uh, on that front that we're 100% doing well. Uh, it's still a challenge and I always talk to my uh, my business partners and also to my colleagues how we can do it better. 
uh, because as it is now, yes, it is a challenge with the social side of things. But we do have uh, those open channels in Teams. We try to structure our Teams channels to have a space where we can just be ourselves and post whatever we like. Uh, so there's no... Uh, confusion or blur what is work-related and what's not work-related. And I at least try to keep those random channels active. We have a channel called Friday Spot, which in, in Danish it means, or in English it means Friday Bar, obviously <laughs> Friday Spot. <laughs> so that's where we put all the funny stuff. And we really try to keep that active also to encourage others to to use it and to remember that we're not here just to talk about work all the time. And then we also have once a week, what we call a weekly meet and greet where everyone uh, is on the meeting and everyone has 30 seconds of fame. So they talk about what they have done work-wise uh, during the week and what they're planning to do next week, but very, very briefly. But the highlight is what are you planning to do this weekend? So everyone gets to talk about their private stuff as well. And uh, and that's part, actually one of my uh, favorite parts of the week. Right, yeah. And uh, that's very cool because that uh, invites people to share and to connect on a social level as well. And uh, that makes them feel connected to each other, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And so in uh, daily communications where you just uh, shoot a small Teams message or something to your colleague... That gets very impersonal as well, very quickly. Do you encourage the use of uh, people just calling each other on Teams and using a webcam, for instance? Yeah, we encourage just calling each other if we can. We don't have a rule that you have to be uh, on your webcam except for our meet and greet because that's the only time we really see each other. But instead of typing away, we, we just ask each other do you want to hop on a call and yeah and then we even sometimes use live share so that we can edit each other's code so that's really nice and we try to really keep it casual also the language so it doesn't sound so boring and informal so we try to you know have fun when we talk right <laughs> yeah yeah and then you're talking about the visual studio live share right yes yeah, I think that's an amazing tool for people that have not used that before. Can you explain what it does? Okay, so normally we don't usually use it unless we really want to go in and to collaborate on uh, the same code file, right? So otherwise, sometimes mm. it's also easier to just to share your screen. But with Live Share, you open a connection uh, and then invite your colleague to hop on the same connection. And then you open your Visual Studio and you're seeing the exact same code file as, as the other one. So if I make a change uh, or we can see what each other is typing, it's just, it's just like like collaborative uh, word if I can compare it to that. But if the host, the host is, of course, the one who owns the code file. If I could change something on the host's file, then... Um, my colleague is able to just debug and run it as if we're working in the same machine. Ah, yes. That's a very mm -hmm. cool, isn't it? It is. So uh, you use Visual Studio. You Do you use the complete Microsoft stack to develop your code, as in C Sharp and maybe the cloud? Yes, we are primarily a Microsoft development company. So we work a lot with Azure and our day starts with uh, on Azure DevOps and now also on GitHub. And we use Visual Studio a lot, uh, both the enterprise version and VS Code as well. 
but one of our partners is actually a functional developer, a closure development. So he's from the completely different stack. And that's also an advantage because we get a lot of insights from the world outside of Microsoft. And so for a company like us, it's, it's a great advantage because it's so easy to just focus on the stack that you're familiar with and that you're happy with. But getting this kind of input from the other side of the world makes you even better developer. So that's very advantageous oh, yeah. for a team, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's absolutely uh, advantageous. Mm -hmm. And uh, so your teams are then very well versed in uh, the Microsoft sphere. Are they all developers or are some of them also designers and or DevOps people? Yes, so we call ourselves the full stack dev team. So we have everyone ah. from a UI designer, which is really really important for our team all our design work starts from our beautiful mockups so so yeah so we have a dedicated cross-functional ui ux team and we have uh the full stack team and i'd say full stack because most of us can uh, develop front end but also back end and cloud and do infrastructure and understand the whole devops uh, process and, and, and yeah, but we also have a concept called champions, champs. So even if you're a full stack developer, you get to choose uh, the kind of area or stack that you want to focus on. So you can be the kind of the go-to uh, champion for that particular platform. So for example, mm -hmm. we have champs, DevOps champs, who can also, of course, code the normal C-sharp backend logic, but then they spend a lot of time learning YAML and learning setting up a infrastructure pipelines and code pipelines. And, and then we have champions for front end. So uh, teammates who are really very good in React and also Angular and generally JavaScript. And we actually also have a mobile uh, mobile champs who have experience with Xamarin and also other cross-platform mobile, mobile framework. And we have the architecture team and we're developing these champions as we go along for security and for uh, testing for yeah whatever you can think of wow that's a very cool idea so people can choose themselves which uh, area they champion in right exactly and can they also change later on to just uh, have a taste of something else definitely so in our team we have this uh, practice of writing down our learning path, our own learning path. So it's it's just a file in our team's channel. Everyone has access to everyone's learning path so they can see what everyone is up to, not to keep track of each other, but also to be interested in what, what kind of, uh, what goals do our teammates have. And then you can draft this learning path and see, okay, my goal right now is to focus, let's say, on identity. And then you yourself is in charge to find the resources that you think fits for you. It can be the traditional training resources, traditional uh, classroom training, or maybe you're more into uh, online trainings or videos, or you're more into books. So it's really up to you how you want to, uh, to, to tackle your, your learning needs. And it's up to you to decide your learning path. Of course, you can consult uh, with your colleagues or with your mentors as, as you go along. And then, Try it for yourself. Work with that stack that you choose. And if at some point you feel like, hmm, I'm not really, <laughs> maybe this is not really for me. Maybe I'm better off finding a different skill set where I will really shine. 
then of course you're free to choose. I mean, it doesn't make sense uh, staying in 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 a stack that you don't feel really confident and comfortable about and happy about. Yeah, that sounds like a common sense. And you know, common sense is not that common. <laughs> oh, that's right. I agree. <laughs> But that is very good that uh, you as a boss facilitate that uh, choice for people, that they can actually choose what they want to learn and even how they want to learn, which tools that they want to use. So how do you facilitate that? As in, do you maybe provide dedicated time for them to learn new stuff? Yes. So uh, right now, of course, for our newly hired, we try to schedule the official uh, training a classroom training courses after maybe one month after they have joined. So we find a learning par partner and then we send it off to to training. So that's very structured, right? So that's like five-day training normally. Uh, so for example, for the Azure development track, that, that's five days typically. So we try to schedule that. Uh, but on for the other things that are a bit more informal, we... Typically, when we estimate our task, we don't uh, overestimate as in what I mean is we don't use all our hours in a day for normal development tasks. But we try to leave out space for, for learning, for training, for reading up. And I would say maybe if you can dedicate a couple of hours a week just for pure training and zone out, uh, you know, find your own time and read up on something, then that's highly encouraged. But then we also have... Uh, twice a week, what we call uh, the open mentorship session. So that's every Tuesdays and Thursdays at one o'clock. So we have one hour uh, where we do open mentorship. Everyone can join, anyone can join. Uh, and then we, yeah, we present different technical topics or sometimes not technical, but anything that's career related or maybe personal development related. And you're free to attend that. So you have that carved out on your week to attend that mentorship. But if you feel like you need a one-on-one -on -one mentorship, we also have another hour for that. So you can book me, for example, right now for, for this one-on-one. -on -one. And we can talk about if you're stuck with some technical problem or you just really want to talk about your career or even personal matters sometimes because that's also important for me. Then you also have that one hour that you can book uh, within the week. Wow. So that sounds like uh, you don't have to be uh, billable for the 100% as a developer in your company. That's excellent. Yes, and that's also something uh, we bake into our estimate when we go out with our customers during the sales process that you can see and we're transparent that, okay, our velocity is not, obviously it's not eight hours a day. You know, there's mm. always time for innovation and for learning uh, within the sprint. Yeah, and for, you know, social interaction and uh, people just aren't 100% effective and that's okay. Yeah, basically just staying sane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay, that's excellent. So what things make a developer successful in your company? So it isn't per se billable hours, like you said, because you already uh, estimate that into the sales process that not everybody is 100% billable. What metrics make a developer successful in your company? Okay, so the more measurable one would be uh, we have the product backlog for the sprint, right? And then you mm. commit to a story. So we see uh, uh, how many of the stories that you committed actually deliver. And if we did not manage to deliver uh, those, then 
that goes into our retrospective. How can we do this better? It's not like we track everything down to the tiniest detail. We're still a very small company, so we're still flexible in, in that way. So we can easily see within our team if, if we're kind of falling behind our delivery for that specific user story. Uh, right. So we still yeah. do have the estimates and the task estimates. And so it's more of, again, saying <laughs> common sense, even if it's not common, for us within the team to see if we are challenged by, by something. And we, we can right. sort of measure that at the end of every sprint, how, how much stories did we manage to deliver. And also, it's not just about the hours, like the value of the stories that we are delivering the impact of that story to to our customers. Because sometimes uh, one story seems to be quite uh, small in terms of hours of uh, the time we spent to deliver or implement that. But we know that that one story actually has a very good impact to our customers, maybe because, I don't know, because it's visual, it's smart or whatever criteria. And we try to yeah. sort of celebrate that value, not only the hours that we put into it, yeah, wow. That that sounds great. I kind of want to work at your company. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, you can go to our website. There is a uh, link that for careers at device. <laughs> <laughs> well, for anybody that's listening that's actually looking for work, that might be uh, an option, right? Do you hire remote people as well that are not based in uh, Copenhagen or Manila? Uh, we're looking into that as well. Right now, we hired uh, a, a lot of people. Not a lot. Well, we hired six people in the Philippines in, in one go. So, uh, and they're all, um, they're not from Manila. They are outside Manila, right. which is a little bit more convenient for them. Uh, yeah, but we're always open for, for discussions and, and opportunities and partnerships. Okay. So, let's, uh, let's talk about something else. You know, running a company is difficult enough and developing software is as well. What I always uh, found as a freelancer even is that sales is the most difficult part for me at least because it is so far removed from my personality and what I do on a day-to-day -day basis that it's just a difficult thing. How do you deal with that and how do you find new projects? Yeah, sales is also very difficult for me, I must admit. <laughs> I have very high respect for for sales people because I also think it's something that I am not particularly uh, good at. And mm. right now, because of our size, we don't really have a dedicated uh, sales person or sales department. So it's mm. just mainly us three partners that are doing this. And Surprisingly, over the last five years, we managed to sell our services just from network and recommendations. We are lucky enough to, uh, yeah, to have contact with with people that we can really we like working with, and that we have also helped along the way solve their problems. And because because of this kind of relationship, because we have tried working together and it was fun, and we managed to maybe uh, achieve something really good together. And because of that kind of relationship, they were able to recommend us also to, to other companies and to maybe new projects. And we have just been, survive, I would say, surviving uh, on, on that kind of channel, but it works for us. But I believe right now, if you don't have a dedicated sales company, if you're a small company, you just started software, 
development company, then uh, you could really get a lot from your presence in communities and, and just sharing your knowledge out there, sharing your skills. It's not something that I do particularly so that I can sell uh, my services, but because I really just enjoy doing that. But on on the good side, it also allowed me to meet so many different people and to also understand the industry better because I'm always out and and interacting with people through these communities. And, and that also helped a lot. Uh, and then when, uh, as part of our exercise, when we do talk to, to people, when we do get that opportunity to for, for a sales meeting, what I would call a, essentially a sales meeting, right? It's really, for me, important to to be sincere in what you want to do and why you're there in that meeting room and not focus too much on, oh, now we need to sell something. No, we need to earn money. And I would even say that even during that very difficult time in our company when we are so unsure of if we're going to get any projects, every time we appear in that meeting room and talk to a potential customer, for me, the focus is still all about, oh, what are they trying to solve? Uh, What problems do they have? How can we help? Do I have school? What kind of technology can we start playing with if we do get this project? So that kind of almost childish, naive excitement is what also makes the room feel very comfortable. And then you establish that right away that that kind of relationship and I would say trust with the people you talk to. And that has led to successful engagements afterwards because we're not there to sell. We are there to, to work. Yeah, that and that's the magic word, isn't it? Trust. Once you build a trust relationship with your customers, then they will come back for more and bring you more work. Even if, let's say, the first project that you do with them, you might not uh, earn as much money with that. As long as you help them and actually provided value to them and they trust you, then it will pay off in the end. Exactly, yes. Wow, that's great. So... We're coming up to the end of the episode. Let's uh, uh, touch on a final subject, and that is the pandemic, of course. How has that impacted your business so far? Yeah, I mean, it is terrible for everyone. And I would say that more than the economic insecurity around the pandemic, I could feel the psychological and emotional effect of the whole thing our team and that's not something that i can just ignore or discount it we we deal with it every day and every morning just before i start a meeting i try to think yes my teammates are in lockdown or haven't been out for so many months and haven't had a real vacation (laughs) haven't had a real fun so everyone is under pressure and I sort of don't want to make it even worse. So, yeah. yeah so what we do is like, like the, this empathy is very important in this time, right? So we still want to try to keep it business as usual. We need to work. We need to be productive. We need to deliver. But we still also have to understand that everyone is going through something difficult and everyone has their own way of dealing with it and that we have to give everyone the, the respect that they need to have, um, yeah, the, the, to have a, a way, a good way to deal with this personally. And so try to right. give everyone space. But at the same time, 
I also myself don't want to focus on on the negative impact and worrying so much. What if we don't get any projects anymore? What if our company closed down? You know, everybody is in that situation, but I try not to focus on those because then, you know, I I will send out that signal to my teammates and they would feel it and everyone would get in a bad mood or everyone will get anxious and and that's not good for anybody. So stay present. We have jobs to do. Let's do it. Let's do it with joy. Uh, let's stay positive and, and encourage everyone to... To stay focused and remind everyone we can stay focused despite of what's happening. But then if you need a break, we are humans after all, then just get that break and um, be be gentle to yourself. So yeah. that's what I've learned so far. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. No, that's very cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking with me today. Where can people find more about your company and about you? Well, uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter at Marilug, and our company's website is www.device.com. And feel free Excellent. to get in touch. Yeah. Thank you for having right. me. I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Developer Weekly. Could you please go to ratethispodcast.com slash developerweekly and rate this podcast and leave a review. This helps me to spread the word about the podcast and helps other people to find it. That is ratethispodcast.com slash developerweekly. Thank you so much.